Hello, hello, and welcome to the Inglorious Pastors Podcast, where we talk about spirituality, news, and the best way to stuff a turkey. My name is Michael Basinger. With me are Matt Polly, hey, Lucas Allen, yellow. Together we're the Inglorious Pastors. Uh, Brad is away on assignment for Again. once. <laughs> for once, yeah, for once Lucas showed up and Brad wasn't here. Yes, kind it's always a, kind of an ongoing thing. Hey, Lucas, can you fill in for Brad? And then Lucas gets here and Brad's here. It's a trick. It's a total trick. We just like having Lucas here. It's a trap. Um, announcements. We dropped a Christmas playlist on Spotify and GloriousBastards.com slash Christmas if you'd like to, to find it. It's all Sufjan. It's not all Sufjan. It's, there's a lot of Sufjan. Five Iron Frenzy and Sufjan. I tried to find the Five Iron Frenzy song that I wanted, but... Apparently, they haven't put that Christmas song on Spotify yet. That's too bad. Yes. Mm, The world is missing it. Um, It is. Mm -hmm. Was that the Rich Mullins song? Yeah. Uh, So I just put the Rich Mullins version on. So good. The Rich Mullins, the song song Rich Mullins actually wrote. Rich Mullins covered his song. Yeah. When when Rich Mullins uh, went back in time and covered Five Iron Frenzy's (laughs) cover of his song, it was was that epic. Um, Yeah. We'll be recording the hundreds. 100th episode in Bloomington, Indiana. Uh, you are invited January 6th, 2018. Mm-hmm. Go to facebook.com slash pastors podcast for more details and to RSVP. Yeah. I think only like 40 people have RSVP'd. I know more people than that are coming. Yeah, there are dozens of people coming. Mm-hmm. At least. So if you could RSVP, if you know you're coming, that'd be helpful to like know that. We might, uh, we might buy pizzas or something. You don't it know. may be standing room only. Who knows? That's right. That'd we awesome. only have 40 chairs, so. Yeah, we only have 40 chairs. So get there early, or you're not going to get a seat. Yes. Or bring your own Reserve your chair. chair now. Bring, bring if, a lawn chair. If somebody is not camping out in a tent the night before, <laughs> and apparently there's going to be a 5K the next morning, a drunken 5K. So. I'm, call, I'm calling bullshit on that. That's not happening. I bet somebody I don't care how dead. No, I don't care how dedicated you are. As lit as some people are going to get that night, there's no way they're running a 5K the next day. I Not everyone has Matt Polly's love for running. That's exactly. So. <laughs> that's, that's a fair point. Uh, I would like to see somebody on somebody else rent a Segway and just video record all these people. <laughs> running and barfing into ditches. Yogging and, and puking <laughs> in ditches. You say yogging? Yes. A light yog. Um <laughs> So, yeah, so so definitely, yeah, come on in and and uh, it'll be good. Get your 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 airplane tickets and some people have hotel rooms and yeah. or your Airbnb where apparently everybody's staying. Pitch a tent, you know, out, out <laughs> right outside Red Door, Lucas will love it. Hey man, there's a spot for you. Yeah. yeah. Next right next to Hobo Steve. <laughs> And there's a roly poly sandwich shop and a pizza place yeah. right next door. There, so. yeah. there were people like sleeping on the sidewalk in front of the church last week. Yeah. So I believe it. That's, All right. Yeah. We have a fairly substantial homeless. Yeah. Yeah. We got contingent. We got a lot of guys uh, coming. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, here yeah. we come. Maybe. Hold on. Wait. Did you, did you mute it? I did <laughs> mute it for the. All right. Here we go. Um. Here we go. There you go. What are you drinking? Hey, hey, I've been thinking that if we're gonna get through this, we're gonna need some fluids. So hey, hey, what are you drinking now? Yeah. What are we, what are we drinking? Well, we uh, earlier drank the, uh, you got the can, you want to read it? I'm still drinking 
it's 18th Street Brewery. 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 Um, the Fox and the Hunted Robust Porter from Hammond, Indiana. <laughs> I, I, I said so, Hamad right as I was looking into Matt's eyes because he, he gets mad because it's Hammond. In the I just get mad when you look into my eyes mostly. I don't really care what you say. Well, it's just the beginning of Gay Chicken, so <laughs> it's all sad. Which we've, we've, we've played yep. a few times. I win every time. Do you? I don't oh, think, yeah. I don't think so. Oh, yeah. That's because you try to put your hands actually on my crotch, and that's well, where I draw the line. There we go. <laughs> what else? Chicken. So if you want to beat me at Gay Chicken, then that's how you do it. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. All right. What? Are, who's next? What? What do you? What do you guys got? I have uh, the Elysian Space Dust IPA. It's a delightful um, star glow energy. <laughs> That's what it says. <laughs> Lucas reads the label. And, uh, Lucas reads the label. It's it's a nice IPA. It's it's. Uh, Usually I like them really bitter. This one's not really bitter, but uh, and it's a West Coast. Like Brad thought it was a little too like. I mean, it's definitely a West Coast. Mm-hmm. So there is it is hopped, but it's not like a normal West Coast. Like yeah, holy shit, but that's it's a got, lot of hops. Yeah, nice body, nice yeah. mouth feel. Yeah. I um, always go for that. Yeah, are those uh, space pants you're wearing? They are. They are. They're breakaway space pants. Because <laughs> yeah, your butt is out of this world. Because if you're gonna wear space <laughs> pants, you want them to be breakaway. <laughs> um. <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah, that's... I'm not... I, can I read mine? Oh, I, I thought you had the same thing. No. You were looking at the label, and he was... I have the Elysian. Uh, it's, it's pronounced Elysian, apparently, according to our uh, five-star review later on. Uh-oh. Elysian. Elysian, yeah. Elysian. Um, it's their Bifrost uh, Winter Ale. You drank that last week, right? Yeah. Did I think I? we did. Did we? I made a joke about oh, it being did. a bisexual. That's, that's why right. I didn't pick that yeah. one, because I was okay. like, oh, they drank it last I week. I totally forgot. I, I've had a number of beers brought to me recently, and I can't remember what... <laughs> has been drunk on this podcast and what hasn't. So yeah. been a fair amount of drinking this week in my times. house. Yeah. Lots of drinking. Kind of kind of lose track. Yep. It's it's been a week. It has been a it's been a couple of weeks. It's been a hell of a month. Yeah, it has. Um so uh I don't remember what I was gonna say. Uh supporters, Patreon, yeah, buy us a drink. something about that. Yeah. Um this round is on the Pastor's Pub. If you'd like to uh, buy us around, go to <laughs> patreon.com. You've only done this every podcast. week for like a year and a half. Um, we offer exclusive episodes of Pub Crawl, Turd Talk, Hymns of Reconstruction. Just dropped a uh, Christmas edition on the Hymns of Reconstruction. It's all Sufjan. It's no, there's no Sufjan. Oh, there's some David Bazan on there. Oh, yeah. Um, so at any level, uh, you can access the uh, Pastor's Pub. It's a closed Facebook group where we talk about life, spirituality, and just about everything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, things discussed in the pub this week. So, so I, I, to bring that, so two episodes ago, you said that I was the number two. You've dropped down to like four or five. Did I? Yeah. Yeah, it's been. I've been had a busy couple of weeks. I really find still find that hard to believe. I'm sorry that you like. I don't. Uh, I don't care either way. I it, just. I'm really shocked. You do. You brought it up again. The well, numbers I'm, don't lie. I'm just saying. Yeah. I'm just it saying. Was, I it, was a little shocked by the fact that I was out of all the people we have in the pub that post the, all the time. And your your it was your comments. You comment even then, though. I find that I you really have find like that something like 450 comments or something. Man, I need a life, <laughs> Jesus. Well, there's a lot of things to comment on, and then keep in mind, I can't like my numbers don't show up in that because I'm the, yeah. the moderator. So, and I post fucking all the time because I'm doing the happy birthday messages and yeah. other shit too. Yeah, that's true. And welcome to I just, the I just, I found that I just, I was, it didn't bother me. I just think it was weird. It yeah. just, it really kind of surprised me. Yep. 
Yeah. Move yeah. on. It's it was it was true. Yeah. Um. So things discussed in the pub this week. Sushi Club. Oh we, yeah. We had a giggly good time at Sushi Club. Um, people from all over the place. Quincy came up from Lexington. It was a meetup. Yep. Who else was there? Let's name drop them. Sluss was there. Dave the Explorer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Billy Patterson. Nita Patterson. Mm-hmm. Um, Josh and Emily. Josh and Emily. The Blacks. The Black family was there. <laughs> um, <laughs> Their last name's Black, in case you're wondering. And, uh, uh, I feel like we're forgetting somebody. Billy uh, and Nita, the McCormicks. The McCormicks, yes. Oh, uh, the Irishman. Oh, Ian Irving, mm-hmm. the man, the myth, the uh, Batman villain. The man, the myth, the Irishman. Um, and I think that was it. And me and Brad and you. I feel yeah. like that was it. We, we mentioned got, Quincy, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. I think we got them all. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, it was really fun. Sushi's awesome. I did not eat the sushi. I had chicken teriyaki because fish is gross. Um, <laughs> also discussed in the pub this week. Becky Seville's science experiment uh, of soaking red vines in red wine. Did not go well. Yeah. Not. I think she soaked them for a long time. Somebody said, um, yeah, 21 just... hours is how long she okay, soaked Okay, that's them. a little too long, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, somebody said it looked like the uh, the stuff they, they put on the pe- the walkers in uh, The Walking Dead. Yeah. Whenever they're pretending to be walkers, that's what it looked like. Yeah. And that was pretty accurate. I wonder if you just like dipped them for like 20 minutes, if that would do anything or... It's still probably gross. To I, be think, I think I think the use them as a straw suggestion is the best. Yeah. Oh, you know, you just suck it yeah. up through there. You get a little bit of red vine in Some, your red yeah, wine. That's true. That's, that's not a bad idea. Yeah. Some people use uh, straws for wine so it doesn't stain their teeth. Yeah, my Same dad with coffee. My dad shakes, so he drinks everything through a straw. So he <laughs> has a glass of wine with like a big old bendy straw coming out. Nice. <laughs> Sorry, that's dad. first class. Oh man, um, whatever works for you. Uh, we also discussed things uh, we will not say at Thanksgiving. So Did we? I missed that one. Uh, well, it was a Stephanie Rice post. Uh, uh, oh, all the yeah, different things right. she's not going to say. I did see that one. Yeah, never mind. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of F-bombs. Yep. Uh-huh. Um, Derek Webb's new podcast, The oh, Airing of Grief. Can we talk about that for a minute? Yeah, we got a name drop in that. In the uh, very first interview. In the very first interview we did. From the person that called Derek. It wasn't even from Derek. Yeah. yeah. It. I don't think he liked our interview with him, but, you know, whatever. I don't care. Anyway. Hey, guy. Well, I didn't like your interview, Thanks. jerk. No, I, it, I listened to it today, and it was, I think, the three of us sort of talked. Not you, Lucas, but Brad and I sort of. We should have included you. I'm sorry. I apologize. Yeah, I listened to it, too. But yeah, I feel bad. How would you have known? I don't know. So, and you would probably agree with this. That it was just, it was. it's interesting that there's an artist who's willing to face his critics in such a direct way. Yeah. Mm. It was a little bit uncomfortable, but so great. The first one especially. The second one wasn't quite as uncomfortable, and then the latter was was fine. But, like, the first one was, like... Uh, It was fine, and then it got real awkward. It got interesting. Yeah. Yeah, It got real... Yeah, it was a little awkward. But, but like, Derek handled it. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, I totally agree. I mean, I I totally get where you're coming from. Like... Mm And there was something he mentioned in the first interview we did where he kind of like he enjoys being that uh, that burr, I guess, mm-hmm. in the saddle. Yeah. Like he enjoy he, like he that's like he feels like that's his calling. So he's good at it. He's doing a really good job. Well, it's it, it's a he's a he's a prophet. I mean, essentially, yeah. is what he, that's what the prophet said. They're a burr in everybody's saddle, especially the religious. And yeah. he excels at that. Yeah. And, I, and not in like an arrogant asshole sort of way, but like. No, he's so he, kind. He calls, so yeah, he calls out what needs to be called out. I mean, yeah. he just, but yeah, you need to download. It's called the Air, airing of grief. The airing of grief. It, I think they <laughs> they drop them after church on Sundays. Did you yeah. realize that? Yes, <laughs> I noticed that. I was yeah, like, that's intentional. 
Yeah. Um, so every Sunday there'll be, I don't for forever how long, I don't know how long he's going to do it. It's just the 10 minute phone calls he did with people. Yeah. Sort of arranged thematically. Yeah. And they're doing seasons as well of uh, my understanding. The production's really good too. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it go buy the album. If you haven't bought the dang album yet, get your life right with the Lord and buy yeah. it. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. And, uh, download that first episode. It's really good. Yep. Uh, we also discussed elephant tusks in the pub. So yeah, we did. Yeah, oh, Donald Trump is. Oh yeah, that guy. Yeah. But he paused that apparently. I guess. Oh, he's, he did. He's he's studying the issue. I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure. He he, he likes just, to get all the nuanced information before he makes a mm, decision. Yeah, that's right. what I he really respect. He likes to be really well informed. Yeah. He likes to watch Fox News in the morning and then tweet ten minutes later what they just said. So yeah. like yeah. it's his own thoughts. Like if you. <sighs> The, the <laughs> air just went out of the room. If you if you if you're gonna like, like God damn it, don't hunt animals like that. Go don't hunt kill a de- hunt a deer. Come We've on. got plenty of deer. We've got plenty of coyotes. Go hunt them. Fine. Don't be hunting a fucking elephant that is yeah, coyotes endangered. Are nasty. That are endangered. You're hunting endangered animals that will no longer exist on this planet. That's a problem. Yeah. And you don't need these trophies because you have a tiny penis. And that's all this is. It's tiny penis syndrome. I'm going to go shoot the biggest animal I can find so I can mount it on my wall. It's just, it's just, yeah. it's, an, it's absolute insanity that it's even an issue. And the only reason he's getting rid of it is because Obama put it in place. Yeah. Period. Thanks, Obama. God. Yes, thank you, Obama. We miss you long term. Uh, speaking of missing Obama long term, um, did you see uh, Chance the Rapper on SNL? Yes, he was mm-hmm. magnificent. Oh, man. He was so good. He was the hockey oh. sketch, yeah. And Eminem too was solid. Eminem was, oh, was so good. His album's dropping in December, and I'm I'm so ready I'm for a half it. chub already for it. So, and then whoever uh, Skylar Gray was the the female that, that sang with him. She was awesome. She was very amazing. versatile. Her voice was amazing. Um, yeah, Chance the hockey sketch and the sketch where he was Steve Harvey's love child. Those were <laughs> those were two pretty quality sketches. Uh, yeah, he yeah. he's he. I was impressed with him. That, a lot of times. Musicians, you just don't know, but man, he he nailed it. He was a natural. Yeah, so I just I, saw clips. Was yeah. he the host? Yes, yeah, he, he was the host. actual host, and, and Eminem, Eminem was, was the music was guest. Nice. So yeah. that was a quality episode. Wow. I didn't watch the episode again. I watched just clips and stuff, yeah. but yeah, I'm yeah, about he nailed it. Seventy five percent of the way through. Yeah, it so. it was good. He did a great job. Chances he could drop something about any time, and I'd be really if we could have a year like three year cycle where Eminem, Chance, and Kendrick just drop stuff like every. Three yeah. years, like that would, I'd be fine with that. Well, don't they put out like mixtapes or whatever they are, like every six months. Eminem <laughs> like, hasn't dropped anything well, in a Eminem. long time. No, it's been yeah. a while. Yeah, this one's called. Uh, oh, what's it called? Mom's Tortellini. Stand Part Two. <laughs> no, the last one he dropped was Marshall Math. The Marshall Mathers Two LP. Yeah, oh, this one's called. It's not Marshall really Mathers Three. Uh, it's um, damn it. Uh, Move on. I'm gonna look Poke- it up. Pokemon Go. <laughs> no, it's not Pokemon Go. Fuck Trump. Dot no. com. <laughs> dot biz. No. I hope he. Co- I hope Eminem drops fuck Trump. Dot biz. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's called Revival. Okay, there we go. Which is awesome. So that is awesome. Yeah. Anyway, move on. Yes, he was good. He was good, and uh, Chance was awesome. Yeah. Um, no fantasy football update because we are recording this episode early and the it's week is week. over. Mm-hmm. It's a bye week on the fantasy football update. Uh, fat, we don't, we're not doing fat bastards, are we? We've got two more things. We'll, we're just going to save them for. I just we'll save them for next yeah. week. We'll wait till my sinuses have cleared up so I can 
yeah. you know, taste so things again. whale mouth can <laughs> be its discerning self. Lucas, I don't think I've ever said this to you, but eat a dick. <laughs> eat my grin dick. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. Um, wh- what are we doing? He literally told one of the nicest guys on the planet to eat a dick. That's great. <laughs> oh, All right, here we go. <laughs> Yep, you got something? I do. You want to do yours first? I'll let, you, let the guests go first. <clears throat> yeah, this is a different sort of... This came up in my news feed. Um, Google alerts. It was in my Google <laughs> alerts. It was on my uh, my Zanga RSS feed. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's refreshing here. Um, it's from jalopnik.com. Okay. And this is... Jalopnik? <laughs> no. Barely, hardly... Didn't touch... With... <laughs> uh, and it's titled... This is America's most embarrassing automotive engineering failure. <laughs> and it says 20 years of this crap. Is it the DeLorean? The DeLorean? No, it's not. Um, it's something that, that went on for 20 years. Um, what do you think? I mean, when you think about automotive engineering yeah. and lingering problems, can you, can you think of any lingering um, problems with engineering? Just with cars? Just with cars in general. Gasoline uh, dependent. Yeah, okay. Um, that would be good. Uh, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Flat tires. Yeah. Well, um, this one is um, headliners sagging. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Man. <laughs> My God, how have we not fixed that yet? Yeah. Have you never heard of Gorilla Glue? So a few lines from this. I just, I thought this guy's take was great. It's filed whatever jalopnik.com is. It's, it's in the category of rants. And Jalopnik's just, like part of like Gizmodo. And okay, like yeah. those are all that. Okay. They're all the Jezebel. So this and, is just yeah. a rant about American <laughs> headliners from the '70s to the '90s. Um, <laughs> but uh, he said, "We've all seen cars with this problem: the fuzzy fabric that lines the ceiling of, say, a 1982 K car or a 1991 <laughs> Buick Skylark becomes detached from the roof, and it, you know, you feel like you're driving a Bedouin tent." <laughs> I can remember <laughs> riding in my cousin's car. It was a Nova, and just having that on my head the entire time, yep. just resting. Or if it. you're like our family when I was a kid, I think we ended up just cutting the headliner out. Yeah, a lot of people, oh, I yeah. think a lot of people do. And that. then you yeah. have you have the foam up there, but it's too tempting for kids because you can like make handprints oh, in it. Yeah. But then anytime you touch it, the little pieces Falls of foam down. fall uh-huh. down in your eyes. And yeah, yeah, I think we there's like. Thumbtacks on my cousin's car. Yeah, that was mentioned in the article that you know Americans took back ingenuity. So remember the Black Saturn I had? Yeah, it was like that. Oh, it man. was. I mean, I was like, it was like sitting on my head, and, and if the, I touched it, it just rained shit all over me. I, mean, I love when things sit on your head and they rain shit all over you. <laughs> That's great, Michael. <laughs> so he uh, <laughs> he goes on to point out that <laughs> he's really proud of himself. <laughs> Before the fabric things, they actually stitched headliners and yeah. They didn't fall down. Yeah. And so, but it like went on for 20 years. And I love it. The guy says, um, it makes you feel like a sad fuck up loser. And that's the <laughs> exact last way you want your car to make you feel. And I want to find the quote. I think I know why this came up in my Google News alerts. <laughs> Headliners from the 1970s to the 1990s are the American car industry's Jared Fogle. <laughs> 
<laughs> never good, substantially worse with age, and with plenty of ignored warnings that could have saved the American people from a lot of pain and embarrassment. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> yeah, I... If, if there is an article that even has Jared Fogel somewhere in the text, it is coming up in my news what? alerts from now. <laughs> I don't know, but I had to uh, Google it like five times when we did the last time I was on. Uh, That's yeah. And now he's stuck in my news alerts. I quote, had to Google it. <laughs> For science. <laughs> I kept having to pull the article up. Oh, man. So, yeah, there you All go. Right. You ready? Better than what Jared Fogel had to pull up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. True. <laughs> You can search my history. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> Except for all those Jared Fogel searches. <laughs> oh, nothing like prison butt sex jokes. Oh. All right, here we go. Uh, speaking of uh, butts, a uh, man gets eels stuck up his anus nice. but won't oh. tell doctors how it got there. Well, mm. here's an idea. <laughs> I was from, walking along the beach. There's a picture of the eel. It's um, It's substantial. Yeah, it's at least a, it's at least a foot long. I mean, it's that's actually more than a foot. Yeah. Um, so the man in his forties who did not want to be named can't imagine why was taken for treatment at Nansheng uh, University a Hospital in Eastern China, where X-rays revealed the creature was in his abdomen. Oh, it got way real, up in there, real <laughs> deep. Yeah, <laughs> wrecked him, damn near, near killed, killed him, him, literally. Doctor said the Asian swamp eel, which just sounds, I mean... Ancient mm, swamp eel. Asian swamp eel. Had wriggled its way up the man's body and was causing a serious obstruction. Well, it's a giant fucking eel, so... Uh, The eel, a delicacy in coastal coastal China, you don't eat them with your butt, uh, was eventually removed from the man's body. Okay, so this sentence... Tell me how this sentence reads to you. The eel, a delicacy in coastal China, was eventually removed from the man's body, and he is now recovering in hospital. (laughs) I hope the, the eel gets better. Is, I said, I'm going to send him a like card. I, I had to read that two or three times. Like, okay, is eel. it the eel getting better, or is it the man that's I hospitalized? I mean, the eel deserves it. Yeah. What no. he's been through. Uh, well, yeah, he deserves, like, the, he didn't deserve the to wreck so him. Yeah, no. So this damn near killed him. So this, this next sentence is pretty fabulous, too. Surgeons believe the eel was inserted up his anus deliberately. Well, yeah, what? he's butt smuggling an eel. Yeah, but they, de- but they declined to reveal exactly what happened to spare the man's blushes. There's more pictures than pulling this. He's got an eel in his ass. Like, yeah, (laughs) yeah. Uh, The man himself, who is said to have arrived drunk, also refused to explain how an eel found its way up its backside. It's not the first time doctors in China have had to remove eels from people's bodies. In April, a 49-year-old surnamed Liu from South China's Guangdong province. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome. Had the hey Beth, you know I come over here. There's an eel up an ass story. Um. Had the same species of eel, eel butt smuggling. Same species About time of eel. We got back on the butt smuggling. It's been a while. Same species of eel removed from his intestines after he shoved one of the animals up his anus to cure constipation. <laughs> what? You're, apparently, they don't sell X lax in China. Just gonna hope the eel. That's that's the ancient Chinese secret. <laughs> there it is. Nailed it. Well done. A month later, another man. From Sichuan uh, province. I had that the other night. Is there Sichuan, just like a, man. A, a eel smuggling Sich- ring in China? Sichuan, man. <laughs> <laughs> he was, has treated, great sauce. was treated in a similar case, only this time his friends inserted the live eel up his backside as a prank. So this guy needs like new friends. Yeah. That, this um, this I mean, is disturbing that there's they this might many outbreaks of eels up the butt. The cases did not end there. Care However, to see, care to see where the end of that tale goes? <laughs> 
apparently up into my small intestine. Uh, as a apparently as a uh, the cases did not end there is a high profile incident known as Eelgate. What saw a twenty year old vlogger known as Kiki put on a con- put on a condom over an Asian swamp eel and use it to masturbate during a live broadcast. No, the animal became stuck inside her during the July live stream, and she needed life saving saving no. surgery afterwards. Oh, what? Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. That's not right, guys. <laughs> Beth was like, "Oh, <laughs> for real." I mean, at least she put a she practiced safe. That's yeah, animal and cruelty. Eel sex. Yeah, protected the eel, maybe. Yeah, I guess. Before wow. she masturbated with it, that's they, weird. There man. must be something about eels <laughs> that we don't know. Yeah, I mean, they are penis shaped. There's guess, just but like, something still. about that <laughs> eel. <laughs> um, <laughs> wow. That's, that's horrifying. Uh, and then I want to do, do one more. Right. Uh, I'm going to do some random... Fa- so I follow a site on Twitter. It's pretty fun. It's called uh, What the F Facts. It's at What the F Facts. Um, and it's just random. Again, I don't know how true all these are, but they're, it's on the internet. So we'll take them as true. Yeah, we'll take them as true. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So let's just go through. Uh, all the characters in The Simpsons have four fingers, except yeah. for God, who has five fingers. Oh. The extra digit gives him... Divinity. There you go. Same. Uh, Same. (laughs) Yes. Nailed it. No. (laughs) The stump does not give you divinity. Uh, It's an eel, my friend. Um, Let's see. Seeing a horror movie on a date can cause both partners to be more interested in each other because a heart's racing also replicate attraction. Yeah. I wish I'd known that as a teenager. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I wish I'd known anything as a teenager. Let's be honest. I wish I'd known shit about yeah. you. Take, her, like, take the ladies to the scary movie. I took three women to go see Simultaneously? Six, seven, different times. Yeah. I also took three, three different women to go see uh, Sweet Home Alabama with Reese Witherspoon. The same three? <laughs> no. Oh, because there could have been like, you, like a serial dater? Don't worry about my youth. It's, it's a problem. <laughs> it is a problem. All right, go ahead. Much like your adulthood. Yeah. Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, 80% of what we learn... Uh, is from the information taken in by our eyes, and our, okay. my computer just locked Checked up. Out. So apparently, I'm done now. Neat. Uh, also, totally uh, locked spinning up. Wheels Unbelievable. Uh, in the news today. I had some. I had so many good ones. Yeah. Go ahead. Do your story. Oh, there we go. All right, here we go. Back uh, in Texas, it is legal to kill Bigfoot if you ever find it. Okay. In Texas, you can kill anything in Texas. Yeah. I think that's fair. Yeah. Uh, in England, you may urinate anywhere in public, including inside a policeman's helmet, if you are pregnant. Huh. So there you go. If you're somebody did that once, apparently. Uh, at some point, yeah. Um, it would take a sloth one month to travel one mile. What if he had an eel up his ass? <laughs> might move a lot faster. I move a lot faster. <laughs> or he I might know. just plan it right there and enjoy the ride. <laughs> China has only suddenly one. <laughs> the, the the eel becomes Tigger, just bouncing up and down on that tail. <laughs> wonderful things about Tigger. Tigger's a wonderful thing. Uh, China has only one time zone. Okay, which is kind of hard to believe because it's a because it's that's a big huge. ass country. Yeah, yeah. with a lot they're, of because they're they're communist. they're smart. So communist. Yeah, they all get the same good. time yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're socialist even with their time. Yeah. Uh, okay, so this is my last one. Uh, Eminem set the Guinness World Record with Rap God for most words in a hit single. Have you guys ever heard this song? I have not. No. Eh, we'll play it later. 
Anyway, the song has a record-breaking 1,560 words in six minutes and four seconds. Jeez. Averaging 4.28 words per second. One set, one section of the song features 97 words in 15 seconds. Jesus, that's six wow. and a half words per second. It's I've I've got the I mean it's on the Marshall Mathers two album. Is it is it sped up or is it just? It's him. Ridiculous. It's unbelievable. Wow. It is. Um, go ahead and do your story, and I'll find it, and we can listen to part of it because it's it's freaking unreal. All right. Um, man forgot where he parks his car. And then, oh, I uh, saw this. Finds it 20 years later. <laughs> Dude, here's your car. Um, back in 1997, in the German city. Look, I was going to go easy on you, not to hurt your feelings. This is it. But I'm only going to get. I need to find the good part, though. Yeah, from Trey, looking boy. I'm a work for everything I have. Never asked nobody for shit. Get out my face, looking boy. Basically, boy, you're never going to be capable. The whole song's this fast until this next part. Hold on, I gotta find it. Nope. It's like 15, 15 seconds of it's six and a half words per second. I heard him say basing our boy. Yeah, <laughs> earlier part yeah. too. There was something that there was something in there. Yeah, there's just anyway, something. It's, it's freaking impressive, is what in it is. That Eminem song. Um, so man forgets where he parks his car and finds it 20 years later. Back in 1997, in the German city of Frankfurt, a man reported his car as stolen to the police. 20 years later, the authorities in the city have tracked down the missing vehicle, only to discover that the man who owned it had in fact just forgotten where he'd parked. Uh, and had assumed it was stolen. That's like my kids. Every time they lose something, they're like, someone stole my whatever <laughs> thing. It's like, who would steal your like half of a fruit roll-up that you didn't eat? And they, I was I, saving that for later, man. I don't know, man. I like fruit roll-ups. I might steal their fruit <laughs> true, roll-up. True. Bad example. Bad <laughs> example. It was probably Lucas. Although I never leave half one. I eat the whole thing. True. I roll that sucker up and eat the whole thing at once. Fruit yeah. by the foot, man. Yeah. I'd eat that shit. Yeah, I haven't good. had that in years. But yeah, everything is like yeah. stolen, and I'm like, no. You I, never lift, be- I lift something up in their room, and I'm like, oh, there it is. There's the thief. It's the floor. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Um, so um, the vehicle was found in an old industrial building, uh, uh, in a garage in an old industrial building that was due to be demolished. So I, I kind of wonder if it, like, it really did get stolen, and then... It got parked there. I mean, because like it's, not, it doesn't make any sense. Like, Apparently, okay. So, um, un- unfortunately, the car is no longer functional and had to be scrapped. But um, I'm sure I mean, everything's dry rotted. And so apparently, he remembers that he parked there. Eels. I mean, why would he be saying that he forgot about it? But did he park it there, or I mean, just walk up and down the ramps to the But garage. here's what makes I mean, me think that it wasn't stolen, because they also found 40,000 euros in cash in the car that he had lost there, along with 50,000 euros of tools. Man, that's a lot. Yeah. Wow. That's so a lot of money. He had a lot of money and a lot of of, uh, of tools yeah, well, in there. I guess that's true. I guess it wouldn't have, they would have yeah. taken that, I would think. Yeah, you'd think if somebody stole it, they wouldn't leave that no, in they there. just took the like CD60 yeah. changer. Took the tape yeah. back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. With sixpence none the richer inside there. That was credence. Yeah. Wouldn't hold, hold out much hope for the tape deck, though. So. For the credence. 
Um, yeah. So he reportedly searched for the. Uh, so earlier this man, earlier this year, a man in Scotland lost his car after attending uh, Stone Roses gig in Manchester. Mm. Um, he reportedly searched for the vehicle for five days before giving up, <laughs> and even contacted uh, the the council of very and various companies in a bid to trace the vehicle. He eventually reported it stolen, but it was found uh, six months later exactly where he left it, <laughs> though with parking fines uh, at over five thousand. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what that. Like eventually is. they would. Would you just eventually pounds. tow it? I mean, probably pounds. Yeah, yeah, it's probably pounds. Like, would you just tow it after a certain amount of fines? Like, I would think so. After there's that's thir- what I was like, after there's these three hundred tickets on the on the window, would you just tow it? I don't know how you'd lose your car in a parking garage. And not be able to find it, the first guy. Maybe he didn't realize he was in that parking garage. Yeah, and that's possible. I mean, if that you go to possible. a big city or something, there's a, I mean, every garage looks the same. Yeah. I mean, there's no way to. I've had trouble finding my car before where I've had to like keep hitting the button to like, okay, am I anywhere near this thing? Or? I cried one time. <laughs> really? I couldn't, couldn't find, find it. my I got back from like a work trip for a week. <laughs> so and you're, I, you're just completely gone. Like, I was going to get home just in time to like see my kids before they went to bed. And I get back to Indiana. I'd been in California. It was cold. California. I'm freezing. I don't have a coat on. And I get out, and it's like icy and snowy in the parking lot. And it was at the old Indy Airport. Yeah. And I am just walking around this desolate wasteland, looking for. My, I didn't have a little key. Yeah, fob they don't to have, say most of the. Yeah. And I was like, I just was like dragging this suitcase through the slush, and like just oh, like man. tears streaming down my face. I'm like. <laughs> So I didn't get to put my kids to bed that night, and if anything is wrong with them, I blame. It's because of that (laughs) that one incident. Yeah, it's not me just being like an inept father. Lucas Lucas (laughs) fucked up his kids by could because he couldn't find his car. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, So a couple Thanksgiving announcements. Um, Pringles came out with Thanksgiving dinner. Um, It's a a box looks like a TV tray dinner of uh, Thanksgiving Pringles. So they've got turkey stuffing and mashed potatoes, flavored, flavored Pringles. That sounds, I'd dig that. I would, I'd probably try them. Yeah, man, if we could dig some of those up, I would definitely try. They those. also have a pumpkin pie flavor in there as well. Oh, mm. I'd probably eat that too. Cranberry. Um, I'm not seeing that. God, I love turkey and stuffing. It's gonna be a good week. Oh man, cream, yeah, it is creamed <laughs> corn and mac and cheese. Oh yeah, uh, mashed potato flavor, which. Aren't all chips potato potato flavored? Unflavored. (laughs) Oh, there's a green bean casserole and a cranberry. They were the Mm. least liked, though. Yeah, I like green bean casserole, though. Yeah. I wonder. I'm not a big casserole person. I will eat some green bean casserole if put in front of my face. Man, I had I just ate like mushroom soup last night, Mm -hmm. which is basically only exists for casserole. But yeah, it's so good, man. (laughs) I just made grilled cheeses (laughs) and just sat there like shoveling soup. Yeah. Eating the soup with the sandwich, you know, just shoveling it into my mouth. Shirtless. What are, yeah. what are some weird uh, things that you dip food in? Like, what's a weird combination? Like, fr- uh, Wendy's fries inside the Frosty? I don't do oh, that. Oh, shit. So I don't do that. You uh, should. That's good, yeah. Um, I don't have anything really weird, like, that I can think of that I dip stuff in. I mean, I dip... It's come up a lot in the pub. I dip fries in mayo, and everybody... Uh. Hates me for it, but. and they should. Or mayo yeah. with you know a little mustard, but with I, fries, like I do. Yeah, it's so good. I like didn't eat fries as a teenager, and then I saw Pulp Fiction, and they were like <laughs> the 
did their fries and mayo, and I was like, holy shit, I love French fries now. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking uh, more the the sling blade of French fried taters. Yeah. I don't. I, the only thing I, I it's not weird, but it's really, really fucking good. Is uh, if you take the little Teddy Grams uh-huh. and you get one of those things of cake icing at the store. Oh my god! And just dip it in there. <laughs> just have it's a party. Lo- oh my god! It's the fattest thing I've ever done. It's so good, man. Oh, I did. There, I went through a phase where I was doing that, and I, I was like, I've got to stop, or I'm going to die before I'm 25. <laughs> Teddy like, dipping. Oh man, it's doing it. <laughs> if there's like anything liquidy. On my plate and anything bready, I will dip it. Like, I just and see, I kind of like I'm, I'm getting better at it. it. Used to be like I had to have everything separated. Nothing like my foods oh, could yeah. not touch. Yeah. Juice could not from like corn could not run into like my bun or to like any like anything. Now like, he just puts corn in his bum. Yeah. <laughs> like I could not like nothing. I'm getting better at like now. It doesn't bother me quite as much. But even now, like if I've got like like Worcestershire sauce on something, uh-huh. I will put a napkin, like fold a napkin up and put it so my my plate is angled, so it runs away from like stuff, like so I won't it won't get into my corn or get into my mashed oh, potato. Man. Yeah, I'm all about the melding of flavors. Yeah, like, I, my cas- wife is too. Man, I'm Beth- so white trash. Like casserole <laughs> is my like first language. <laughs> <laughs> Lucas prefers the 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 juice in in the bun bun. Yeah, so. bun. Bun, oh, Michael. Bun. I also did, I got sushi and I had eel and I dipped it up my anus. <laughs> Forgot about that one. Uh, it, was, yeah. it was a little weird, little <laughs> weird combo. He can never go back just, to that restaurant just, again, but <laughs> he's been banned forever. This is how you do it, right? This is yeah. you're telling the waiter. This is, this is it's right. It's authentic. I read all these articles about Chinese. <laughs> Apparently, it's well, sushi popular Japanese, in your sorry. culture, but. Yeah, yeah. They do some weird shit in Japan, but I'm pretty sure that's not on the menu. <laughs> I don't know. Have you seen their game shows? <laughs> that's a good point. That's true. That's a good point. Uh, and last but not least, uh, have you th- heard about uh, Stovetop? They put out some uh, dinner pants, Thanksgiving dinner pants. So they're they, sweatpants? Maternity they, pants? They, <laughs> pants. they look like mater- That's exactly what they look like. They're stovetop. I don't know if I can turn this around or not. Yep. Yeah, they're basically maternity pants. pants. And uh, there's an episode of Friends where Joey puts on, I think it's Rachel's maternity pants for Thanksgiving, so he can eat the whole turkey. Oh, nice. Yeah. So they're it's kind of stuffing. The 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 pockets look like they're have like a stuffing print in there. (laughs) If you're if you're eating that much, you probably need to back off a little bit and maybe (laughs) save some for leftovers. I'm just gonna put that out there. But they have sold out. So they were nineteen ninety eight per pair, but they are all out. There are a few. There are a few meals I will eat myself sick on. One is Thanksgiving. Yeah. One is sushi. I've discovered. <laughs> I will eat myself sick on that. Did you get I sick mean, when it's that? all you can eat. No, I I, I stop. I I, I I got it to where I've I can I've got a nice level where mm-hmm. I'm like pretty dang full, but I'm not miserable. I can't. But at Thanksgiving, I will eat myself sick at Thanksgiving because yeah. I'm stuffing and turkey. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh! Every time we have something with my family. Like, even just we get together for a kid's birthday or something, I walk away with, like, Thanksgiving Day regret. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because my whole family eats, like, starch and carbs and yes. cheese and casseroles and casseroles. And, and, and I just can't stop. Yeah, it's good. And I eat fast, so it's like by the time my brain catches up with my stomach, I'm, like, already in pain. And then I'm like, maybe another little bite. <laughs> 
you get to the point where you're just, you chew for 15 minutes yeah. on like a half a piece of turkey yeah, it's, it's, and you can't swallow it. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just making some room. <laughs> Do you guys have any like weird Thanksgiving foods that you have at your Thanksgiving? No, ours are pretty standard. Uh, some people think this is weird. My family eats uh, Jello salad. Is okay, it? I've heard green of that. green Jello with stuff in it. Yeah, whipped cream on top and cheddar cheese on top. Oh, oh yeah, oh, yeah. Yep. you lost me there. <laughs> there it is. Yeah, okay, that is yep. weird. that's pretty weird. Yep, it's um, that's pretty gross. It's it's definitely you, you, you pound that shit though, don't you? I did not eat that until I was like 38 <laughs> years old, and then I was like, I'm gonna try this, and I was like, oh, the cheddar adds a nice little tartness. <laughs> so it's I weird. Need, I need to die. There's no cat earlier. food it's, in it, so you know, it's too bad. Hey, you beat me to the uh, Christmas vacation yeah. reference. Um, so growing up, we weren't super super wealthy. So, but Thanksgiving. But you my, are now. No, 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 still not. Uh, but well, thanks, with your chickens roaming around yes, your yard and everything. Yeah. Um, but with uh, basically, my parents would allow us to each choose like one like random food for Thanksgiving because it was like mm-hmm. you get to have what you want. Just oh, choose one cool. thing. So it was, it was really cool. But like now, like with Thanksgiving, I associate like. Uh, cheese whiz with Thanksgiving, <laughs> putting it on the on the turkey. Um, chocola, which oh. they didn't they, they stopped making for a little bit, and so we had to substitute it with yuho. Mm. But that second is, rate yuho, I know it's a poor man's chocola. <laughs> yeah, and my mom made uh, seven seven. No, my aunt made seven layer salad, and my mom would make potato salad, and then they'd swap the day of, so you'd get. Both potato salad and seven layer salad. Hmm. That's actually not a terrible idea to just bring some random shit to Thanksgiving. Makes it interesting. Yeah. yeah. Like and then uh, sugar cream pie. That's an Indiana staple. Ooh, Gotta have yeah. that. Mm-hmm. So I've good. had sugar cream pie in a long time. Wix makes it a really good one. Yeah. It's our Indiana. It's our state pie. Is it really? Yep. Mm-hmm. How the Wait, hell do you know pie? that? Why do you know I that? Have a My God. Of knowledge. No, okay. So no, <laughs> Why do you not know that Wait. I know things? So. Brad and I had this discussion without you because we oh, talk thanks. About, we talk about you behind. Eat my dick. You yeah. talk. You get assholes talk about me all the time. Well, what's well, not to love? No, yeah, exactly. That like there are things that you know that no human being should know. Yeah, like that. Like who the fuck knows <laughs> what the state pie is of any state, even the one you live in? Do you know what the state bird is? The cardinal. cardinal? Yeah. yeah, I think it's yeah. the cardinal. There you go. States have birds. I didn't know states had pies. Uh, like, I yeah I. Anyway, so you know that. Did you know that, that? And there was some reference you made. Was it last week? Yeah. The the rap the rap stuff the mace and I was like yeah, how murder the, mace. How the fuck do you know? How do you know that? I am a wealth of information. No, that, okay. that is a side effect okay. of the whale mouth. Okay, that's fine. You know that. Yet you can't find Brad's goddamn house without GPS, <laughs> and you've been there like a thousand times. I half of my brain is in the cloud. I'm telling you that this is. Oh, it's that's I'm in a, the cloud. All right. I'm a hybrid. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, you're definitely. I have that. access to all this information, but I don't store it's it all in un- my head. It's, it's literally, it's baffling to me. Yeah, like there's, it, like I, the, the, I use my GPS the, to get here today. Like I'm, I'm amazed by like people may not know this. Michael does all the production stuff for this thing. Like, like the news, like you know stuff about the sound stuff. Like I, I'm amazed at what you know. Yeah, so that there's your compliment. Yeah, but again, you can't find Brad's goddamn house without a GPS. Yeah. Like, I seriously use a GPS un- to get here today. To my house, your, we have recorded how many episodes? And done Are you kidding me, Michael? Just because I like to use it, <laughs> it makes him feel powerful. I just like to, 
like, screw you, I'm not going that direction, I'm going to go this direction. There's one direction to my house. There's there, only one way in or would, out. You would be surprised. There are lots of ways to your house. No, there's not. Well, I mean, once you get off 37, there's, well, there's a couple ways off 37. Are there? Yeah, you can get. And Do I know about these ways? Yeah, you've, you've taken them before. There's many exits that lead. You can take the back way. There's two. You can, no, there's three. You can get off on Taco All Bell as well. All roads lead to Wigwam. <laughs> All our roads lead to the podcast. Yes. So there are ways. Anyway, you, you're you're just like a, a just a complete enigma. Yeah, I like, have so much useless information. Yes, you do. It's crazy. Very much so. And most the most basic stuff you absolutely just can't even grasp. Well, you know that's life. <laughs> sorry, sorry. sorry? <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. I'll try to make my brain better. Yeah, my apologies. Well, you did try. You took that alpha brain shit. Yeah, and it didn't do anything. Didn't do really? shit. No. Yeah, P. Holmes. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't get the the highest quality alpha brain though. So oh, they got beta level. He got beta brain. Yeah, it was alpha brain. It was just <laughs> omega brain. It was. Yeah. <laughs> the further you go down, you just take naps. Like, well, guess I'll take a nap now. <laughs> tired. Yep, I'm tired. <laughs> You basically turn into Homer Simpson if you take it. No. <laughs> no. The Omega Brain. Um, okay, so uh, do we have anything else that we're supposed to talk I about? I don't think so. I guess right. I think you covered it. <sighs> okay. <laughs> What's <laughs> Dramatic pause. Um, Again, his brain just completely locked up. Well, I was th- processing what we what I, I know, and it, going it on. took a minute. Um, so should I do the music before the intro, or should I do the intro? I think we do the, the intro, music? then we do the music, usually. All right. I think we've done them both. Uh, you do you, buddy. Uh, all right. Um, that was... Uh, okay. So... Uh, <laughs> I rest my case. Welcome Thank to the you. podcast. God. It's where we talk about... Preston, I'm so sorry. Mayonnaise. You say Preston. Peterson. 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 My, I'm sorry. Now yeah. you're double sorry. Now I'm double sorry. I had all. Yeah, we even fucking interviewed him for an hour. <laughs> God, uh, my apologies. Uh, why did I have Preston on my head? I don't know why I had. Preston it was on my pressed head. into your head. Hmm. <laughs> Good. One. There it is. Yeah. Uh, Peterson Toscano is a performance <laughs> artist, an LGBTQ activist, Bible scholar, and host of the Citizens Climate Radio. I'll be downloading that. Mm-hmm. I listened to a couple episodes. Yeah, it's really I haven't good. yet. I'm going to. Uh, Peterson has been on the Tyra Banks show on Montel. Same. And uh, that was Jerry Springer, buddy. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was not the father, so I won. Yes. Uh, he's been featured on Huffington Post in NPR's Morning Edition. For more information on Peterson, go to petersontoscano.com. So we got a guy that was on NPR. Yeah. Man, that's awesome. Classing well, up the joint. Oh, really? <laughs> we will have the a hell link. is he doing on this podcast? Mm. We'll have a link to his website. I mean, I'm here. <laughs> we'll have a link to his website in the show notes. If you haven't been on NPR though, yet? Yet? Mm, no, I haven't. You're that guy from Serial, uh, aren't you? What? Not Serial. What's the Cereal? other show? S Town. You're the S Town guy. <laughs> yeah, I'm John. Yeah. Hi, John. <laughs> Great. Great segue. <laughs> All Sorry, right. Peterson Preston. <laughs> Peterson Toscano. <laughs> dot com. We're good. We're good. <laughs> uh, he, he knew what he was getting. Preston into. Tacoma. Here he comes. <laughs> Tacoma. Preston damn near killed him. Peterson Toscano. <laughs> Jesus. 
All right, here His he comes. His name's not Jesus, Michael. No. It... It's a postscript. <laughs> All right, here we go. Peterson. <laughs> hey, man. Uh, how's it going? I'm sorry, but Peterson is not available. <laughs> I in his personal assistant, Vlad, and he said that he is uncomfortable, unable to be on the program. I, he's very sorry. Uh, I know you had a personal assistant. That's awesome. Yeah, I do. Yeah, thanks, Vlad. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> <laughs> it's good, man. Uh, we're, we're super pumped uh, to have you on the podcast. Um, we, uh, uh, yeah, we're, we're just excited to have you. you. You've got a lot of stuff going on. Um, and, and we're going to talk about some of that today. Um, but uh, we brought you on the show to talk about climate change. But before we jump into that, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of the work that you are doing? Sure. And before that, I want to say thank you for like taking on climate change because so many people are so scared partly because people talk about it in such a way that they scare the snot out of everybody and then make them feel guilty. It's like, you know, old time religion without any redemption. So thank you for taking that on. <laughs> no, it's, it's something that I like when we initially sat down to kind of talk about what we're going to do with the podcast. Um, that was one of the topics we said we were going to, we were going to tackle. And here we are 90 some odd episodes later, finally get, get a year and almost two years later, getting around to talking about it. Um, cause it is, a, it's, it's a, it's an important topic. Um, and I think, uh, w the way we want to talk about it is it's kind of hard to find somebody who will, will put up with our dick jokes and then also talk about climate change and talk about God as well. It's, so, it's a very yeah. small group of people that will do that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, yeah. I have, I have a high regard for dick jokes. Yes. Actually, yeah. So <laughs> you, you, you hit the trifecta of dick jokes, uh, climate change and, and you, you like, you like God as well. So. Um, You're basically yeah. a unicorn. We found you finally. <laughs> All right. So, yeah. Well, I'm a nice weirdo for you because I've got this bizarro background that fits nicely. I mean, I I grew up in an Italian American Catholic family, but then I became a born again evangelical conservative Republican Christian at age 17, who also was gay but desperately did not want to be gay. Mm -hmm. So the first big chunk of my life is actually trying to de-gay myself for Jesus through conver conversion therapy. How'd that work that, out for you? Yeah, my, my husband loves it. He thinks it turned <laughs> out really well. <laughs> I saw somewhere online uh, that you had been exercised a couple times. Like, so, yeah. Uh, and what, what, <laughs> Let's talk about that. <laughs> sure. You and Tyra Banks was very interested in that when I was on her show. That's all they wanted me to talk about was the exorcism because it is kind of sexy in a way and terrifying. <laughs> well, yeah. What is interesting is I had three exorcisms in my lifetime. Two of them were in New York City. I, I lived in New York City for 10 years. Oh, a place you... to not be gay, even if you're not. Oh, Are you there? Yeah. Hey, give me one second here. Yeah, we're losing you for some reason. We're we're losing you. Um, right. I just want to make sure I'm hooked up to the right Wi-Fi. Yes, we are hooked up to the right Wi-Fi. All right. Cool. My, All right. Maybe my house date is downloading porn. I don't know. Let me open this door. <laughs> maybe that will make this signal. I have a housemate. I don't know. <laughs> All right. I'll open the door. <laughs> what? <laughs> Okay, where were we? All right, so um, uh, uh, exorcism. You're, you're being gay exercised. All right, do you want me to go back? 
Oh, you're cutting out I'm again. Are we losing him again? What yeah. the hell? I don't know. My internet's working, sort of. So, huh. Well, mine's. I've got a nice, strong signal. Yeah. Um, you're Krieger Labs, right? Yeah. Well, it's like mm. whenever you're tr- trying to talk, like the spear is like attacking us right That's now. That's right. Uh, yeah. Well, whenever you're trying to talk about your story, the, you cut out. The demon story, because it's demons. Time okay. for another exorcism. They're still, they're still on my ass. <laughs> <laughs> What's interesting is. Oh, literally, it just did it again. Yeah. It's like, what's interesting, and then... And then it, it cuts, cuts out. out, yeah. Bizarro. It's well, probably my internet. My internet. I've got Comcast, and they're just garbage. You sure? Yeah. I, mean, I don't know. It says it's on, but that doesn't mean anything, so... Huh. All right, let's just... Let's, let's try again. <laughs> should we pray? Should we should we, should we? we open this up in intercessory <laughs> prayer real quick? the blood of Jesus bind the strong man... <laughs> Principalities and powers of darkness. <laughs> All right. Take 18. Yeah, take 18. Okay. So, interestingly enough, I had three exorcisms. Two of them were in New York City. Now, New York. Man, you're cutting out again. And I lived there. Jeez. Um, give me one second here. Um, okay. We haven't had problems in a long time. Yeah, it's been a while. Um, I mean, it could be my. I end, but I've been hearing you the whole time. You've not cut it out once. Okay. Uh, hmm. Let me, let me just, let me call you back. The other option. Okay. The other option, I could also hook you up on ringer, I think, and we can try it with that too, but maybe not. That would be complicated because you're in three different places or how are uh, you? No, we're all in one spot. We're, we're, yeah, around, we're, the, we're on the table yeah. here. Um, I mean, I, I guess we, we, I don't know if that'll work or not. Well, why don't I reboot my, my Wi-Fi too? I'll okay. do that. I'll reboot you. mine too. And... Let's all reboot that and okay. like catch up in like five minutes. All, all right. right. Sounds that'll good. Work. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. I think my uh, housemate was downloading the space shuttle. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you can print it out now, apparently. I don't know. You can print 3D. it like 3D print 3D the space printer. Shuttle. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. yeah. Full size. All right. Um, ba- yeah. Back to the exorcism. All right. Let's talk about this. <laughs> so, what was interesting? All right. Is it still working? Yes. Yeah. Yes. We're still yes. good. Yeah. <laughs> Satan hasn't cut you out yet. Okay, so so yeah, exorcisms. I had three exorcisms in my life. Uh, two of them were actually in New York City. I, I lived in New York for 10 years. By the way, New York is not an easy place to not be gay, even if you're not gay. But um, <laughs> yeah, the one was actually broken up by the New York City police. It got so loud. It was so <laughs> outrageous. The other one, the third one was actually in England, and it was much more of a gentle little affair. But uh, But, you know, basically they thought... I was gay because somehow demons entered my my system uh, through sex or through a family curse or something, and that they had to be extracted, sort of like a holy colonic for Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> it's through the gluten. Jesus came through the through the the gluten in your system. <laughs> it's possible. I'm Italian. I eat a lot of pasta. <laughs> they bind with the gluten. <laughs> All right, so um, so I don't know where we were at with your story. Um, well, we didn't get very first, far. Like yeah. weird part was like I spent this huge chunk of my early life in the evangelical church, trying desperately to be straight for Jesus. 
Uh, and uh, that was kind of like this big chunk of my life until my 30s. I was like, um, gosh, I was like almost 36 or so when wow. I finally came out. Wow. Oh, yeah. Excuse me, right in the middle of a drink. Um, okay, so we brought you on the show, obviously, to talk about climate change. Um, and exorcism, too. And exorcism. <laughs> We've covered exorcism. Some, some light exorcism, please. Um, so a lot of people, you know, I mean, growing up or being, you know, baptized into the fundamentalist evangelical church like you were, a lot of us grew up with you kind of in the Bible Belt or somewhere in that area. They kind of write off climate change as something that God's going to take care of either via apocalypse or divine intervention or something like that, or, you know, we're all going to get, you know, sucked off the planet with a vacuum cleaner and go to be with Jesus. And so as a result, there's a lot of Christians, I think, or, or former Christians who are really uneducated on the topic. So like just on a very base level, what is climate change? Yeah. And, and like adding to that, you know, we also believe that we have this satellite that we're going to all be brought to. So this is not our home. Yeah, right? Yeah, so right. In fact, we're encouraged to trash the sucker and Jesus will come back even sooner, maybe, yeah. and rebuild heaven and earth. So yeah. there's no responsibility. It's like having a rental property. Like it's like, well, you know, whatever. It's our dorm. You know, it's like, well, <laughs> we don't really live here sort of thing. <laughs> so climate change is basically um, the simplest way of talking about it is um, we have done an incredible job of, um, you know, advancing our society by using fossil fuels mm -hmm. and fossil fuels like, you know, like petroleum and all, basically they're filled with energy because you've got all this organic matter, like, like literally tons of stuff that gets compressed into this supersonic energy force that is incredible. I mean, it's amazing how much decomposing like grass and animals make the gasoline that we have. And that's why it's so powerful. But what happens is it then releases this invisible gas, um, n several invisible gases, um, and most notably carbon dioxide you hear a lot about. It's tiny, um, but it's weighty actually. A gasoline, for instance, a gallon of gasoline weighs about six pounds. When we burn it and it, com and it combusts and it combines with oxygen, that gallon of gas creates 20 pounds of carbon dioxide. Wow, sheesh. That's a lot, right? And yeah. so, you know, and so we need carbon dioxide. It's essential to the whole planet, right? It, it, it warms us up. It creates this sort of protective blanket over us. Uh, it helps life to grow. But, you know, we all know too much of a good thing is not a good thing. And uh, we've basically been stockpiling this stuff, like laying blankets on top of each other to the point where we've overburdened the system by just putting so much of it out there. And it stays out there a long time, hundreds of years at times. And so it really is about pollution. But the problem is it's invisible pollution. It, you know, they show the smokestacks with all the smoke and everything, but really most of fossil fuels, greenhouse gases, they're invisible. Mm -hmm. it's, like, it's like cell phone reception or cell phone transmissions. You don't see that stuff that's coursing through your body, but it's there. And similarly, that's what's happened through over 150 years of polluting. And that polluting, you know, has obviously brought amazing technology and advancements to our world. But now it's time to get off of that old technology and do new technology that's not going to overburden the system. Hmm. That's it. That's so all like, it is. So like solar and wind and things like that. I mean, that's where things have to go at this point, right? 
Yeah. And, you know, and, and other ways of doing farming so that, you know, there's all such a great farming practices that will will keep more carbon dioxide in the ground. Uh, it's about conservation. It's about planting more trees. Um, you know, there's that's what's lovely about it. There's so many solutions. And then once there's the political will to do something, there's so much we can do in a short time to radically change how much pollution we're causing. Man. Um so let's backtrack a little bit. Um, how did you first get into climate change? In an ass backwards way. <laughs> I think that's awesome. the official official term. No, I had nothing to do with climate change or environmental issues. Coming from a you know working class Italian American family, you know we never talked about the environment. I mean, my dad always you know recycled and reused, but it was just because he was cheap. It had nothing to do with the environment. <laughs> And then, of course, you know, in the evangelical church, we were very much discouraged to get involved with that. So it wasn't in my mindset. And I have to say, even as a gay guy, I, um, you know, I felt very detached from nature. And a lot of the environmental movement is about nature. But, you know, if you think about it, many of us queer folks, we fled rural, natural places and found refuge in cities. And, you know, even at there was a time that they talked about, you know, the sin of homosexuality was a sin against nature. So that we're told that even our desires are unnatural, that we're pitted against nature. So there was nothing in my background that would open me up to this. But the story is this, I came home one day to find my partner, Glenn, weeping in the bedroom. And Glenn is not a weeper. I'm the weeper in the family. I don't know, we have a very clear division of labor there. I weep, he comforts, it's nice. Um, but he's weeping and I'm like, what's up? And he's from South Africa originally and I thought he had gotten bad news about his parents. And he's weeping and he says, it's about climate change. And I'm like, climate change? When have we ever talked about climate change? I mean, we weren't denying it, we just didn't have anything to do with it. I was like, what about climate change? This was 2012 and he said, um, well, there's this new research that's come out and it's shown that it's actually um, happening faster than they expected and it's worse than they feared. And he's like, how can I be like teaching creative writing when this thing is happening? So something you need to know about Glenn, when he was a college student in South Africa, he was part of the anti-apartheid struggle mm. and he was part of the queer liberation movement. And he was um, a draft dodger because as a white South African, he was forced to be in the military to uphold the racist system. Huh. So he's someone who knows that when, yeah. you know, shit hits the fan, you need to be there. Yeah. You know, you got to put your body on the line. So he's freaking out. So I'm trying to comfort him and as best as I can. And I'm like, let's research. So he goes off and he does his master research and I'm just kind of doing my life. And he keeps sending me articles uh, and we talk about it. And it was bothering me in my head, but it didn't hit my heart. And to me, this is important because climate change is one of those issues that it needs to be in our heads and our hearts yeah. Yeah. because it's that kind of thing. And then one day <laughs> I read this article about drought and it said on a warmer planet, things are going to evaporate more and, and the atmosphere is going to hold more water up there. So we're going to see more drought, longer sustained droughts, deeper droughts that will lead to crop failures, malnutrition, starvation, mass migration, war. I mean, things that we've already seen. Right. Yeah. And then it ended this article. It said, and on a warmer planet where there's more drought, we're going to see crop failures, including the potential failure of wheat production, leading to a global shortage of pasta products. <laughs> I was like, what? 
I was like, okay, this shit just got serious. They got wait, and yeah, I wish I weren't so shallow, and I wish it were actually a joke. But that's really the thing that got me upset. Save the pasta. Yeah, that pasta was an endangered species. Holy, <laughs> that because that was something that hit me where I lived in my culture in my life. And I think all this talk about polar bears and glaciers, it's great if you're studying the Arctic, right? But for most people, that doesn't hit them. Yeah. But when the mission field, for instance, in Malawi that they've been contributing to for 20 years, suddenly there's a flood that they've never had before, and it's wiped out a generation of work. When you find out that coffee is endangered, that um, allergies are increasing in the world, things that like, it, you know, impact your life, suddenly it becomes real for you. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so gosh, I don't even know where to go from there. Why, so why is, you know, why is climate change a Christian issue? Because it seems like it's not just a Christian issue, but why, why should Christians even take it seriously? Like, for, I guess from a, a theological standpoint. Yeah, well, and it's maybe the reason why I, I take it seriously as a, as a gay Christian, uh, partly because it's about people and it's about suffering. And we are the people who have a history when we're doing the right thing of being people of extreme mercy and people who are there to stand for the people who are suffering. And, and that's what we see with climate change is, yeah, sure, animals are endangered, uh, systems are being changed, but people are suffering in the real time. And they're not suffering equally. Some people suffer more than others, depending on what they have or what they don't have. I mean, yeah, we're all in the same boat together. We're just not all in the same deck. Hmm. And when we're at our best as believers, our hearts are tuned to look after the orphans and widows in their distress. And, you know, climate change is, a, is an issue about mass migration. So people say, well, you know, well, what does the Bible have to say? about climate change, to which I say, well, it says nothing. Um, we have to interpret it, right? But um, look at the story of Joseph in Genesis, mm -hmm. the story of this complicated big family. Joseph, the uh, weirdo in the family, gets um, gets banished and is sent off to Egypt. And he ultimately falls into some trouble and is in jail. And then Pharaoh starts to have these troubling dreams about cows. <laughs> and uh, and they haul up Joseph because he's good with dreams and he interprets them. And he says, you having dreams of 14 cows, those first seven cows, those beautiful, fat, sleek cows, they represent seven years of plenty where anything you plant will grow, followed by seven scary, skinny cows, seven years of drought and famine. So he predicts climate change, a regional temporary climate change. Then he comes up with an adaptation plan. He says, well... If we know this is coming, we need to prepare. Let's grow as much as we can during those good years so there's food for the people. And it happened exactly as he predicted. In fact, it was during those lean years, he reunited with his brothers who came to Egypt. They heard there was food. They came as climate migrants. Yeah. I hadn't really thought of that, that story <laughs> in those terms. Uh, so let me, let me backtrack to something you said and a question that kind of popped in my head. Would you say that... Um, you know, our, our culture is based very heavily on, on the individual, <clears throat> and the church is, church is definitely bought into that, um, that idea. Would you say that sort of cultural individualism is one of the major contributors, contributors to sort of our disregard, our cultural disregard for climate change? Like, you know, it doesn't hmm. directly affect me. There's a famine in, 
you know, the Sudan, but who gives a shit because it doesn't, doesn't affect me. Yeah, well, you know, I definitely think that with the environmentalist movement, one of their problems is they've been focusing too much on the individual, encouraging everyone to just lower their individual carbon footprint and it will all magically add up and make a big difference, which is not true because so much of the polluting happens outside of our homes. So there's something dishonest about that and there's a need for changing of systems uh, of how we get our energy. But, But yeah, this... I mean, I think modern Christians in America, we are, um, we're impued, right? We sit there and we're being fed from up front and we're never responsible for actually doing a lot other yeah. than showing up mm-hmm. and paying our, our dues. And so, you know, I think we're moved when we hear those missionary stories and then we respond with a financial donation and we are constantly outsourcing our compassion. Yeah, very much so. So would you, um, you know, one of the primary arguments that Christians give for, you know, that you hear over and over again, I know you've heard it, um, for not, you know, really giving giving a crap about climate change is that, um, or just creation care in general, you know, just recycling and just being more conscious of our resources and how we use things. One of the big arguments is that we are given dominion in Genesis over the earth. So what's what's your response? What's your what's your response to that? Well, you know they love going back to the original, right? Like you know how God intended it in the garden. Well, God also intended you to be naked vegans too. You know how far are we going to go with this? Okay, because they weren't eating meat and they were running around naked. And in fact, before Adam hooked up with Eve, God gave him the opportunity to have any creature in all creation. There's this whole moment where he's doing this like bizarre speed dating and God says, what do you want? What do you want? Anything you got here? And he's like, yeah, I don't know. Giraffe. I don't know. <laughs> speed, da- speed dating maybe. the animals. Platypus is kind of interesting. Now, nah, you know, actually nothing you got is going to work for me. What else? Not a problem. We'll get you something else. So like this whole idea of going back to the <laughs> here, here, take a nap. I've got to do something. <laughs> but like, you know, we have to recognize, well, then there was the fall. If you're going to even go with that, there was the fall then. And then the relationship between humans and the earth changed dramatically. There was suddenly conflict yeah. there. It was harder to grow stuff. So you can't go by what they said in the garden because there's the fall if you're going to go with that story. So suddenly humans and the planet are are fighting against each other at times. And so man is then attempting to enslave and tame and to control the planet, which is a very, you know, nature is a very powerful force. So I understand people are saying that, but that's not the reading of that. And of course, then there's the fall they have to consider. Instead, I think we need to recognize that if we have dominion, right, it's like this idea where the caretakers, as if we don't need this planet, as if it needs us when it's mm. really quite the other way around. I mean, we are on a spaceship here. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, if it gets compromised, um, we're the ones who will be in great, great distress. Yeah. And I always like the, I always like the, well, we're going to terraform Mars. No, first, you're not. You have Earth. Like, like you might, <laughs> you might be able to land people there. It's Why don't not you terraform Earth. Yeah, first? seriously. Let's let's worry about Earth first before we like. This is all we've got. This is the planet we have. We're not getting another one. The closest. I mean, they one did ta- terraform Arizona, so that's something. But. <laughs> that is true. I've been there. It's like living in an oven. Um, so, one of the things that that I always um, think about with uh, like 
creation care and stuff like that is um, just how like the first commandment in the Bible is to take care of the garden and uh, to take care of the earth, to take care of the soil. Um, and one of the things I remember years ago, there was a, a sermon series uh, Rob Bell did on uh, creation care. And he, one of the quotes that came out of that was how you treat creation reveals how you feel about the creator. And, and when we are, if you believe in a creator, um, it, then the creation is the gift. And, uh, um, it's not like your aunt gave you a Christmas gift and you're like, I don't want this fucking tie and you throw it away. Like (laughs) it's something you have to cherish and take care of. It's not like a puppy. You can just drop off off at at the, at the pound. Well, yeah. And, and not only because of you have to be responsible for your actions and that you'll maybe called to account, but also if you don't take care of it, um, you, you know, you're basically, as they say, shitting where you eat. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. you know, there's that problem there. So I like the, the, ten, the, the parable of the tenants and the vineyard. I think that might be an mm-hmm. interesting model for us to look at, because we like to think of ourselves, of course, as the children of God, so God will forgive us. But if you're the tenants in God's vineyard, well, he's not going to put up with a lot of crap in that sense. Yeah. And it makes um, that, that passage in Revelations, and I think it's 18, that God will destroy those who destroy the earth. We don't talk about that one very much. <laughs> that doesn't make into a lot of sermons yeah, now. Not a lot of coverage there. <laughs> yeah, but I've been thinking, like, like, who are we? If we were going to choose a character in the Bible to help us understand our relationship with this planet that we live on, this this home that we have, this satellite, you know, I don't think that caretakers and stewards is really the right model because it gives us this sense of being um, some looking over as opposed to being a part of. Hmm. Instead, I think it's more honest to call ourselves the parasites of the earth. And that's, not, and that's not a negative thing. I mean, there are beneficial parasites. We are loaded with parasites. In fact, we are healthy because we have parasites in our body and there are these co-benefits. So the question is, what kind of parasites are we going to be, um, you know, to our host? And, you know, I think sometimes we can say that who we are in the Bible is we're the locusts and we've been eating the shit out of everything. Yeah. Hmm. And leaving nothing useful behind. Just Yeah. It's gotta be a, a symbiotic relationship where, um, we benefit from the earth, but the, the earth also has to benefit from us as well. Or it stops, it stops producing. I mean, it stops or it chokes out the weeds. Yeah. 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 Like last week you were talking about those weeds. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, but this is the church also has so many wonderful things to offer, because the environmental movement is great at pointing out sin, and mm-hmm. showing people where they're wrong, but they're not very good at forgiveness and redemption, and that is part of our story, and we know that you can turn from your ways, um, and that even God will heal the land. We we have that, and that's really important. Also, we have pastoral care. We know how to care for people who are frightened, who are mourning, who need hope. I mean, where are the people of hope? And I have to say, at this time in history, people, young people in particular, need to hear some honest talk um, about the planet, but also about what hope looks like. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And community. We're fairly devoid of that at this point, it seems like. So let me let me actually tag on to something you said because 
unfortunately, the, this whole talk of climate change has become a conservative versus liberal issue in government, especially for whatever reason. Well, I think there's many reasons, but what are money, some? Money, 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 well, that's a big money. reason. Um, so, what are some? What are some mistakes that? I mean, I guess climate change is sort of seen as a liberal progressive issue, whatever whatever term you want to use. What are some mistakes that liberals or progressives make when they talk about climate change, especially to, towards I, conservatives? Yeah, I think the biggest issue is framing it as an environmental issue, which um, it has been up until now because it seems the environmentalists have been the ones most concerned about it, that and the scientists. Mm-hmm. But most people aren't scientists or environmentalists. I mean, it is a right. whole worldview and it has a culture. So being able to talk about it as something else is really is really critical. So, for instance, I talk to LGBTQ people about climate change as a queer issue, as one that actually affects LGBTQ people differently than non-LGBTQ people. That makes them curious in a way that um, normally they may not because they may expect the same environmental message. Similarly, I think we talk to evangelicals about you know, missions and talk to missionaries. They are on the front lines of climate change often. Yeah. They've been in these communities for a long time. And I think seeing how climate change is already affecting places that we've prayed for, in some cases for decades, um, and hearing from the eyewitnesses there, I think that could be very powerful too. Yeah. So what makes LGBTQ people and other minority populations more susceptible to the effects of climate change? Well, I think one way to look at it is climate change um, is one of those things that magnifies existing conditions. So we've always had storms, we've always had hurricanes, but it's like doping, right? You've always had a good athlete, but with doping, they become a better athlete, an incredible athlete. And our storms have been doped, basically. Uh, We've hacked the system and they're much stronger. So similarly, oppression and other issues also get magnified. So if you're struggling with an issue on a sunny day, well, that just gets magnified when the bad weather comes. So for instance, in every city in America, there are homeless people and homeless youth. Mm -hmm. Up to 40% of the homeless youth in in the United States are lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, not gender, non-binary, queer kids. Yeah. Mm These are the kids who left their churches, left their homes, left their schools, and found refuge in cities. And because of the per- the persecution they often experience, they don't like going to shelters. Mm-hmm. Shelters are often run by churches or religious organizations, and they're highly gendered spaces. Boys there, girls there. Mm-hmm. Where do these kids get to go? Who gets to decide? So they don't go to the shelters. So what happens when the storms come? When Hurricane Harvey and Irma and Maria comes, where do these kids go? Yeah, right. Do we know? Do we have shelters that are there, you know, prepared for them? To me, that's a queer family values issue. Another population that's at risk are LGBTQ seniors. They've experienced a lifetime of discrimination. Mm-hmm. They may be estranged from their family, even their own children, if they have children from a, a straight marriage. They may have been underemployed much of their life. They may not have much retirement savings. Even if they had a partner for a long time, the partner died and that social security. That's been changed very recently. So they are more isolated, they have less money, what do they do when the extreme heat events come right. and those heat waves come? When if you don't run your AC 24-7, you're going to die. I mean, if you're over a certain age, it's deadly. Yeah. yeah. During Hurricane Harvey, there was a freak 
uh, heat wave in the Bay Area, it got up to 104 degrees. And I don't know if you've ever been to San Francisco. They don't do heat like that. And six senior citizens died because they didn't have AC. And so to me, a a queer response to climate change is to have a list of all the seniors and find out, are are they supported? Do they have what they need? And can we check in with them before, during, and after extreme events like that? That's how we can build strong communities and I think promote equality. Mm. Man. Um, so what are some ways that, that people can positively impact climate change? <laughs> Don't have children. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. I see gay people are at the advantage here because we have to work really hard to make children. I mean, Glenn and I have been trying for years, Lord knows, but um, it's just not taken yet. So... And that's a hard thing to hear, right? But particularly for uh, Americans, um, you know, our children are, you know, the Americans really expend a lot of energy. And, um, you know, is it possible that we have a time in history where it would be a blessing to the earth to not recreate Mm. and reproduce? Mm. So, you know, that's one thing to consider. I think another thing is get off the whole lowering your carbon footprint business. I mean, yes, it's the right moral thing to do. But we need to change systems, um, how we get our energy, and more so we need to change laws um, so that, that um, you know, there is a price on carbon and, um, and that there are ways forward. And so your political will, you know, for people who are Americans, our country and the whole world back. So we got a responsibility to do something and get our government working particularly evangelical Christians, because white evangelical Christians in America are, is the group that is most behind on this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you, you've, you've, um, the, the environmentalist stuff. So in terms of that, are, are you saying that that's intrinsic, intrinsically bad or are you saying that that's just not enough? I mean, it, it's, I'm saying that, um, it's, it works great if you're an environmentalist. But it's like conversion, right? I mean, to, to get people to buy into an environmental mess, they have to become environmentalists. And because they believe that's, I don't know, having Al Gore bore into their hearts, they're not going <laughs> to do it. <laughs> it's just creepy and weird. Do you take um, Al Gore as your personal lord and savior? <laughs> <laughs> so, so, like, what do they already have within their own? within their own values that is strong that they can then apply to that and that's why i like the work of bob inglis who's a republican christian who has been speaking very strongly and groups like young evangelicals for climate action they're framing it in that worldview so people from that world can say yeah i can do that i don't have to become an al gore groupie yeah and i think i think that turns a lot of people off actually i mean because, like you get said, I think it gets framed as a liberal conservative issue, and so when are you saying that Al Gore turns people off <laughs> for a multitude of reasons, probably. <laughs> um, you know, I think it, it gets framed as a liberal conservative issue, and so if you if you are a conservative, you're automatically turned off by the idea of environmentalism. You're automatically turned off by the idea of Al Gore. You're automatically not going to watch an inconvenient truth. I mean, that beard though. <laughs> okay, maybe you like the beard. I don't know. Maybe you're turned on by the beard. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. So I just I think that that's I think that is a huge issue that you that that you you've brought to light is that it it needs to be framed differently. 
And, and you need to have different spokespeople. I mean, we yeah. need to have evangelicals speaking because people ultimately, they don't listen to messages, but they listen to messengers. Yes. And when your guy says it, or when your gal says it, when your person says it, then suddenly like, oh, okay, I guess it's true. So I'm praying for the day that Rush Limbaugh starts talking about how important <laughs> it is that we deal with climate change. Pray for you us, know, everybody. Like, <laughs> <laughs> because then suddenly a, a ton of people will be like, okay. I had a great interview. I do a podcast myself, Citizens Climate Radio, and I talk to people all over the world and in North America. And I had this great interview with this guy who just spent a year in Oklahoma. And in Oklahoma, there's this explosion of wind energy, wind you know, energy right. produced by windmills. And he thought, oh, great. I want to go and find out about the conflicts there. It's going to be like the old days between <laughs> the ca cattlemen and the sheepmen. And so he goes to discover that there is no conflict. Yeah. Everyone's on board. And he's like, well, what's the deal? And they say, well, it's our part of our history. We produce energy, coal, oil, now wind. We're just extracting the wind yeah. <laughs> to make energy. And so they found a way within their culture that had nothing to do with climate change, but like, this is the new technology. Let's go for it. Yeah. And there's, I mean, there's economic issues involved too, because, and I think it could be framed that way for a lot of conservatives. You know, you know, when Trump gets elected, he's like, we're going to bring back coal. We're going to bring back coal. No, no, you're not. I mean, coal jobs are, are basically dead at this point. So instead right. of, instead of right. making promises that are garbage about a dying industry or a dead industry, Let's retrain those people into solar, into wind, into, mm -hmm. uh, you know, whatever other methods we want to use that are more clean and more renewable. And if you frame it like that, then that, that becomes a message that even conservatives, I think, can get on board with. Yeah, definitely. I agree with that. So let, let me ask this question about the, you know, the, the big thing that initially when he got elected is we backed out of the Paris climate deal. How big of a, how, or the Paris, the Paris climate accord, how big of a deal is that? Well, the the interesting thing is he signaled that he wants to back out, but the way that it's set up, he actually can't. Until back I think it takes four years, years, doesn't it? Something like that. Right. Yeah. But in a way, he did such an amazing thing because as soon as he said that, a bunch of people who were just on the sidelines assuming that, you know, the adults were going to take care of this issue were like, crap, we're screwed. We got to do something. Yeah. And I noted a marked difference in people's response to climate issues. And I think people have been taking much more responsibility. The reality is, you know, we don't have a federal energy policy of how we get our energy. That's state and regional. So there's a lot of power that states have and regions have in changing how we get our energy. And I think People have just been energized. So in New York State, they're talking about um, carbon pricing. Um, they're talking about all sorts of uh, alternative grids now. Uh, and they're like, you know, if you're not going to do it, we're going to do it. And I think that's actually a, a really good thing to, to kind of push the citizens to, to get more involved. Yeah. And, um, you know, hopefully he won't be around long enough to 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 fully pull out <laughs> of that lord willing pull out buddy pull out. <laughs> pull what, out. what are some you know what are some other positives that you've seen or have you seen are there any okay here's a positive <laughs> oh yeah there actually are and these are stories that get unreported or underreported right. i'm part of a group called citizens climate lobby when glenn my my partner went and did all this research he said you know the most robust response to climate change that we can do is to put a price on carbon and there's this group citizens climate lobby they're advocating for a carbon fee and dividend so what it is is if you're going to take this crap out of the ground you have to pay so much per ton and that price rises um each 
year. The money's collected and then distributed to households to help with the rising cost of energy. Hmm. So it, you know, it, it decarbonizes the economy in a way while also helping households deal with the rising costs that are going to come. Right. So, you know, so there were no Republicans at all that would touch this three years ago. And Citizens Climate Lobby, using, I think, very Christian sort of values of, of love and respect, have been going to lawmakers all over the U.S. and talking to them about this. No Republicans. And then something happened. One Republican stepped forward and said, I'm interested, hmm. and then another, and then another. And right now in the U.S. House of Representatives, there are 31 Republican members of Congress in the U.S. House of Representatives who are part of the Bipartisan Climate Solutions Caucus. Huh. So there are 62 members of Congress, half of them Democrats, half of them Republican, actively pursuing solutions for climate change. This is not a story you're hearing about, but it's something that's growing. That's more pe more Republicans than are on the Freedom Caucus, which is <laughs> this is kind of a big deal. <laughs> They're special <Yeah>. people. <laughs> <laughs> so in, in terms of things we can do to positively impact cli climate change, not have kids. Um, <laughs> that's that's the first thing. Kill the children you have. Get yeah, rid of them. Just get rid of them. Innocent. It's biblical. Slaughter them. <laughs> no. They're all they're all dash, dash their heads on no, the rocks. Not advocating. <laughs> no, no murder of children, please. Um, <laughs> but but not having kids. Uh, reaching out to government officials. Are so when you reach out to government officials, are you talking like, uh, do I reach out to my mayor? Do I reach out to governor, uh, senators? Where do where, where do we start? Yeah, your elected officials, your U.S. senators and your uh, U.S. Congress people, um, they need to hear that there are constituents who care about climate change, who want climate action. One of the things that they tell us when we see them in D.C. is that we're not hearing from a lot of people about this issue. Hmm. We're hearing from a lot of about a lot of things, but not this. <laughs> it's because we're trying and not we, to get our health care stolen away. <laughs> that's right. I mean, there are like, you know, it feels like they're bigger fish to fry, but um, this one is going to fry soon, us all. all the, yeah, all, all the fish, fish will fry. <laughs> and not like Jesus's fish fry that he did post-resurrection. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so um, so let them know that you really care about this and get involved if you want with the group Citizens Climate Lobby. There's over 80,000 members of that group right now. Um, that's a really good thing to do. And talk about climate change. There's a spiral of silence. People don't talk about it, even people who are concerned because they're worried that there's going to be this negative reaction. So I often tell my audiences when I do um, public addresses and performances, educate yourself about climate change, particularly how it affects something you're already passionate about. Hmm. So Pasta. you're pasta, right? <laughs> Number one, Missions, pasta. Malawi, homelessness pasta, whatever, <laughs> but become an expert on that and talk to people about that. Mm, uh, I have yeah. a, in my podcast. I talk about a lot of different issues, including, um, uh, one of the things I talk about is pets and climate change. Uh, I have a whole episode on that. There's so many different angles that we can look at this from. Mm. Um, I, I guess another question I want to ask, cause you mentioned, um, are you, how we use our energy? So, um, what about like low, like changing your house to having solar panels. Is that, is that something that, that would be beneficial or is that just too big of an idea? No, of course that will be beneficial. It will probably save you money in the, in the long run to do that. 
Um, but I, it's more about changing, like when you turn on the light switch, where that energy comes from. And if it's coming from a coal powered uh, energy producer, well, that's got to get changed, right, on a big scale. So it's about changing systems. And again, I, I think about those years in the evangelical church where they they talked about that, you know, having like a national repentance, not just an individual turning, but a national turning. I think of World War II and how the U.S. was very slow to get involved with this war. We had Holocaust deniers in this country, and we wanted nothing to do with it. That's where the phrase America first arose. This is we're going to mm. look after ourselves. But then something happened. Well, we were attacked mm. in Hawaii, and there was suddenly political will, and overnight systems changed yeah. and people were engaged and people started rationing and growing victory gardens. The amount of food that was grown in people's backyards is mind boggling. Mm -hmm. And what changed, but there was the will. And that's how we are as Americans. We're very slow to act. But once we really are convinced, we can really put a lot of energy behind something. Yeah. So what are, uh, I guess, what are some resources that people can, that you would direct people to, to sort of kind of touch on all the stuff, I mean, at least some of the stuff we've talked about tonight? Well, if you want to look at this stuff and look at human rights and storytelling and comedy, I have a site called Climate Stew, climatestew.com, and 50 episodes of the Climate Stew podcast, where we take a serious look at global warming, but we try not to scare the snot out of you. So I look at it from a you know NASCAR perspective and pets and all that, everything, all kinds of stuff. Um, also, citizensclimatelobby.org. It's a great organization where um, they're really working hard with solutions. And I have to say, when you're feeling overwhelmed, action is an antidote to despair. Mm -hmm. Getting engaged. Yeah, very much so. With like-minded people. And, you know, have a listen to my podcast, The Citizens Climate Radio, because it's a very different way of looking at climate change. In fact, I have an art house section where I interview an artist that's doing art around climate change um, every month. And that's that's usually so interesting just to hear these different perspectives. Hmm. Um, so we do have a lot of, of pastors listening in secret, very quietly listening, not telling anybody that they're listening, except for maybe Nicodemus, one or two Nicodemus, are you there, Nicodemus? Yes. Um, <laughs> One of them is actually at this table. Um, I've been very quiet. Too. Yes. <laughs> um, so what what can the local church, what can pastors do to positively impact climate change? What would you say to those pastors? What should they be doing with their congregations or for their congregations? Well, I, I think to recognize that you're an amazing resource for the community that um, I think one of the problems with a lot of churches in America is they, they rightfully feel irrelevant in the world, in part because we've been so caught up in social issues that we've, we've missed the point. But we have a chance now to be very relevant. There is a whole generation of young people who are frightened, feeling hopeless, mm. and really angry. And to be able to speak honestly to that generation will be very powerful and very meaningful to do. And that's a real need right now to have those prophetic pastoral voices speaking to that generation. And also, I think, you know, you've got this amazing property often. Many of these pastors have a church and grounds. Well, you can partner with young people to help 
turn your congregation into uh, a learning center for people to learn how to live new lives on a new planet. We're going to need to know more about how to conserve water, how to store water, how to grow crops. Um, these are things that you can model at your church. The Sunbury Bible Church, right by my house, huge mega church, evangelical, not climate minded at all. They just cover their roofs with. Um, with solar panels. Hmm. And what a powerful message it has to every person in that congregation, because not only do they see the model, but they also then learn about it and right. how it works. Hmm. So the church can really be a great avenue for that. Um, and, you know, it's a great way of organizing people to action in a nonpartisan way. I mean, the church has always called out to the government to do the right thing. And, and you can bind your voices together and magnify them. I love that. That's great. Um, so you've got a lot of uh, projects in the works. Can you give us an overview of kind of some of your other projects? Because you, you do more than just climate change. You're a, you're a man of many talents. Um, so so can you give us an overview of those projects and then um, where people can find more information about those project as well, projects as well? Yeah, definitely. There are some people who have no idea that I do other things because they just know me from one of those areas. But I'm actually a Bible scholar, uh, and my scholarship is looking at gender nonconforming Bible characters. So wow. asking questions like, are there transgender people in the Bible? Are there people who don't conform to traditional gender? So I did a lot of research, and I wrote a, uh, a play about it and then a performance lecture called Transfigurations, Transgressing Gender in the Bible. And I look at stories that you know well, and you're like, I had never known that there was something gender going on here. Mm -hmm. uh, and that work um, just was turned into a film, also called Transfigurations, uh, and it is available uh, as a DVD, and it's also available streaming on Amazon. Uh, and it's right now going to film festivals around the world, including the Queer Kampala International Film Festival in Uganda next month, awesome. which I'm really excited about. Yeah. So you can get that at petersontoscano.com, my website. You can find out about that. Um, and, you know, I, I do a lot of speaking about about LGBTQ issues and the Bible. So I'm often at churches and universities talking about that um, when I'm not talking about climate change. And I have this other weird project that I don't talk too much about because it may freak people out. <laughs> is, is it a Pokemon collection? Please tell me it's a Pokemon collection. Well, I have a Pokemon Go um, collection that's phenomenal, actually, which blow your mind. <laughs> but that's not for public. That's not for the public. No, I have a comic book, actually, that just came out. Um, I partnered with a friend of mine, Joey Hartman Dow, and she did the art. And I wrote this weird story based on some scholarship. And um, <laughs> I asked the question, what if Jesus, there was someone who believed she was Jesus's twin sister, but she's very unhappy because <laughs> Jesus is getting all the love and the glory and the angels and the shepherds and all that. And she's just dropped on the floor, despised and rejected. And she believes she's Jesus's twin sister for good reason. She was with Jesus in that holy womb for nine months. She's actually Jesus's placenta. And 
because this womb was so like hot and holy, she's alive and she's pissed off. So she goes off and she slinks off and has her own set of adventures. So she's sort of like a grounded jellyfish. She can't be in the sun too much. She dries out and <laughs> turns story... water into diet sprite. Please tell me. <laughs> she, well, she does naughty stuff. Yeah, she's she uses her superpower. Mm. She makes people blind and lame, and Jesus has to fix them. <laughs> and all this stuff. So it's a kind of a retelling of the story, not to mock it in any way, right. but actually shed light on other issues. It's a comic book. It's called The Amazing Adventures of the Afterbirth of Jesus. Uh, it's available on Etsy. It will go on sale um, uh, on Black Friday. Uh, sales, they're gonna. It's gonna be twenty five percent off. Uh, you can get it on Etsy. Just go to Etsy and search for Afterbirth. I have a feeling you're gonna find it right away. <laughs> Sounds like a great Christmas present. <laughs> it's a perfect Christmas present. Uh, I'm awesome. totally sending that to my mom. <laughs> Uh, poor Debbie. Debbie. Yeah. A whole group of people who are like, you know, like midwives when they find out about it, they're like, oh my gosh, the placenta. And the placenta is gorgeous. This placenta that Joey has created, it's both <laughs> grotesque and adorable at the same time with these big <laughs> eyes that look at you with longing. That's Boy, the, the merchandising for that just makes itself, doesn't it? Right? Walmart well, starts you, carrying placentas. I can just imagine, you know, the little like bobbleheads or just the head. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, she names her. She has to name herself because no one named her. And she listens to stories in the corner of a synagogue. And finally, she hears a Bible story and she thinks, ah, I will call myself Hagar. <laughs> I'm the one that was chucked out into the desert. That's, That's fantastic. That's so great. We're definitely going to have to have you back on to talk about um, the, the film as well. So we I'm definitely fascinated by that. The, the scholarship you've done with the, uh, the transfiguration stuff. That's awesome. Well, that's good. I have to say I'm terribly disappointed, though. I listened to your last show. There was lots of penises and dicks and balls. And well, we still have to record, we still have to record the rest of the episodes. So that probably will happen. Uh, yeah. We'll insert the penis later. Yes. <laughs> there it is. Good. I just, you know, I just, just don't the, want to be left out of the boys. Club, just the you tip, know? though. <laughs> there, there it is. There it is. You, you asked for it. I mean, that's what you're going to get. Did. So, yeah. <laughs> when you ask for just the tip, you get just the tip. Oh man, <laughs> I don't even know where to go from here. Uh, Thank you for coming on the podcast. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. What are you guys drinking tonight? I, I didn't oh yeah, we didn't even talk thing. about this. Uh, from 18th Street Brewery in um, Hammond, Indiana, up near Gary. Hammond. It's not Hammond. <laughs> it's um. They make some. We've not had anything from them that was bad. We've done four or five different beers of theirs, and they're they're. Kind of an underrated brewer in Indiana. Um, it's called the Fox and the Hunted. It's a rope. It's just a, a robust porter. It's really freaking good. Yeah. Same. No, you're not. A, you're not robust or a porter. So shut up. <laughs> it's uh, it, it, they just around. they just make really really good beers. Um, we've had some really good stuff from them. So we we tr- grab their stuff whenever we can. Are you drinking anything? Yeah, I mean, it's very simple. Just um, Johnny Walker Black. Nice. I, you yeah. know, I, I just saw the new Blade Runner, and it was like a giant <laughs> advertisement for Sony and Johnny Walker Black, so <laughs> it worked, and that's what I'm drinking. Have you seen this film yet? No. I uh-uh. have not seen it. It's, it's it starts a- out well, and then it goes to shit really fast. You just, at the end, I'm like, just die. Please, everyone, die. <laughs> Horrible. But the atmosphere is nice. <laughs> well, at least you got some Johnny Walker out of it. I mean, there is that. That's yeah. right. <laughs> that's awesome very cool well thank you so much Will um, everyone can find you at uh, 
PetersonToscano.com, correct? That's right. Twitter? That's right. At, uh, what are you on Twitter? P2Sun. The letter P, the number two, S-O-N. Sweet. So we'll definitely definitely be following you on Twitter as well, and uh, we definitely want to have you back on if you're interested, if the dick jokes didn't run you off. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. I'd love to be back. Thank you so much for having me on. I feel really honored and pleased and buzzed. (laughs) Same. (laughs) Thanks, man. Thanks. All right. Bye. Bye. Now that you've in your seat, you can tell us what you think. stars get red, but one star is dead to, to us. Feedback. Uh, I just realized uh, Brad's not here, so we didn't oh. do the t- Twitter top. The Titter top twin. We didn't do Twitter top 10, did we? The Titter top twin. I can't believe we didn't. I didn't even think about it till literally just now. I came prepared, guys. No, you did not. No, I did not. <laughs> Damn it, Lucas. <laughs> I wish. Um, I can't believe we have nothing for feedback. Uh, do you have any five-star reviews? I got a five-star review. All yeah. right. I'm going to get on Twitter right it's now. it's short. Yeah. We'll, we'll take a look. And we're just going to... I'm just going to wing this. God, this. This podcast is a shit show. So you guys don't realize how much pre-production goes into yeah. this. Yeah. I mean, it really well, apparently is. Apparently, we don't realize. Apparently either. not, no. <clears throat> can't believe not. I honestly got. I didn't remember until about five thirty night that we even had this. Brad, come on, buddy. You had a responsibility. <laughs> People are like, "Oh, they just show up and drink beers and make a podcast." No, they work. Yeah, it's like another full time job, basically. They're like, yeah, kind of. There are dozens of minutes that go into prep <laughs> for this podcast. Okay, five star review. Uh, hashtag cherry flavored blood clots. That's an old one. No, it's a new review. Okay. By Olympia Wahahaha. Oh. Yeah. Great work, gentlemen. Love the show. I know that's a throwback hashtag, but it's my favorite. Oh, also, thanks. the beer from Seattle is pronounced Elysian. It's a fantastic brewery. Much love from the Pacific Northwest. Trucker Andy. Oh, nice. So, thank you. Thanks, Fred. Appreciate it. Thanks for that old hashtag. That's way back. That was classic days. Hey, Michael, do we have any Twitter feedback? Uh, yeah, sure. Here we go. Um, coming in a number... Um, Number hold on, wait. He's only gonna find like three. Coming in at number five. <laughs> Coming in at number ten. Uh, there was a good one. Um, uh, Derek Blaylock at Derek A Blaylock. I'm not gonna do mentions this week. Yeah, because thanks, Brad. Uh, in response to episode 92 in school mascots in my hometown of Topeka, uh, when high school when Topeka high high Trojans played Seaman. <laughs> High school. Uh, well, always signs. Hmm. Seaman broke through the Trojan defense. Wow. Can't trust him. Yeah, nah. it was always awesome. <laughs> only, only like 98% effective. Um, coming in at number nine. <laughs> 2% you got to worry about. Coming at number nine, uh, Annette Jennings. Uh, the Bible is the story of humanity's long journey out of darkness and learning that God is love. What I learned from listening to at Brian's on and on at mm-hmm. Pastor's podcast today, episode eighty four. Oh yeah. Oh and yep, I bought the book "Center in the Hands <laughs> of a Loving God." Somebody else posted that in the pub. They bought that. They were reading that book while drinking Lafroy Scotch. Yeah. Barba. Was it Barba? Yeah. Barba wire. Barba wire. Yep. Um. 
Coming in at number eight. Man, there was one I saw earlier that it's just gone now. Um, this is from Lounge Iguana. I'm just, happy. Just joined the pub. Yeah. I'm happy to become a Patreon, a patron on At Pastors Podcast. If you're a recovering evangelical and like dick jokes, these guys might be just what you need. <laughs> Hashtag gritty on your teeth. Oh. So if you're listening to this and are not in the pub, I accidentally declined to you because I didn't get the email notification saying that you actually uh, joined the pub. Our apologies. Uh, our apologies. Please try and join again. Uh, we will. We will. Uh, the person. Who, the person who made that mistake has been sacked. Yeah, it was uh, me. So I am fired. I would mention doubting Thomas at faster than gravies. <laughs> Well, okay, number seven. Go ahead, number seven. Well, I would mention his comment saying, third week in a row in the top ten, and I've gained exactly zero followers. (laughs) WTF, you guys. But it sounds like, you know, he's really trying to ride your coattails to up his Twitter followers, so I'm not going to mention it. Okay. Number seven. All right, he's he's a dishonorable mention. All right. Coming in at number seven, at Derek Webb. Thanks, friends. All right. <laughs> I mean, anytime Derek Webb tweets, it's like it automatically makes the top yeah. ten. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, coming in at number six. Um, wait, wait for it. I'm still finding it. Um, uh, at Pastors Podcast, thanks to Michael for associating my name with Roy Moore in the last episode. <laughs> episode. Uh, I will now be undergoing a name change. Uh, sorry for the inconvenience. So. I've got I've got one for number five. Number five. Here we go. Okay. Uh, this is at Voiced Carpenter, at Pastors Podcast, at Sigma <laughs> wait, Sigma Tangle Alpha Foxtrot sixty nine reporting in. Where would you like your massive morning strike? Hashtag Canada. Hashtag Just the Tip. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Coming in at number four, Dave the Explorer. Uh, that scraping sound was my paradigm shifting just a bit as I caught at Pastor's Podcast 92. Great job, guys. Favorite part was the Duck Dynasty-looking dudes from Martinsville discussing the nuances of rap music. <laughs> Hashtag <laughs> Captain Sudafed. Hashtag <laughs> Beating Venuses. <laughs> uh, I got one. Uh, from uh, J. Marie Walker at Polly Named Ranger. Uh, nothing quite like choking on your breakfast while laughing uncontrollably at fart jokes at 6.15 a.m. At Pastor's Podcast, y'all the best. Hashtag change the atmosphere. Hashtag then squeegee your teeth. Nice. What number was that? <laughs> Died of three, four. Okay. okay, I have a number one, okay. so let's... All let's right. do a couple more and we'll do number one. Um, okay, number uh, three. Uh, at Pastor's Podcast, this is from uh, Scott McMillan, John Mark's brother. Um, if sin is what Luke is his favorite musician. If sin is John what Mark's brother is my favorite musician. <laughs> if sin is what is on the way between me and the divine, what does it make me? Because I feel like I'm the one in the way. Mm-hmm. Hashtag being Venuses. Yeah, uh, I got one more for number two. Coming in at number two, Jared Smith at Jared One Smith at Pastors Podcast. I went back. I went back and listened to zero three seven. It's all within you, and everything I have is yours. I can't wait till the next deconstructed parable, hopefully before 2020. <laughs> yeah, we don't do them very often. Coming in at number one. Oh. At D.P. Berg. 
Brad! <laughs> Hashtag beating fetuses. He made number podcast. one. <laughs> <laughs> this is what happened when Brad's not. He's Brad's away. One. Dan Burgess finally gets back. He's going to lose his shit top this week. <laughs> he didn't just make the top ten. He's number uno. Yep. I, I read it like Brad is in Kong. Yes, we got that. So Thank you're you. welcome. Thanks you're welcome, for explaining Dan. the joke and ruining it. Dan, you're going to have to listen to find out where you ended up in the top 10, but you're number one in my book always. So, yeah. All right. Um, let me figure out where I'm at now. Wrap it Hold up. I'm, I'm closing time. Yeah. Uh, read us on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Write a review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, make us an apple pie. Check out our website, gloriouspastards.com. <laughs> Support for this podcast comes from listeners like you at patreon.com slash pastordspodcast. Support us on Patreon to join the Pastards Pub. Get bonus content like Turd Talk, Pub Crawl, and Hymns of Reconstruction. Buy us around and even help shape the content of this show. Hashtags. What do we got? Yeah, buddy. I only got a few. Yeah, I've got I got a few. <clears throat> um, uh, really? Yeah. Wow. I used to do hashtag that. belch. I used to do that when I was twelve. So yeah, so. yeah. Michael still is. We got. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I got um, hashtag my husband loves it. That was. <laughs> 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 um, hashtag pray for rush. <laughs> I've got that. Yeah, one too. I got that one. Too. Yeah. And hashtag 98% effective. <laughs> I don't remember what that was about. That was about the Trojans and Trojans. the semen. Trojan man! Uh, I've got hashtag D-gay myself for Jesus. Hashtag holy colonic for Jesus. <laughs> hashtag save the pasta. Hashtag, hashtag speed dating the animals. <laughs> nice. Hashtag pray for rush. Uh, hashtag breakaway space pants. I kind of like that one actually. Yeah, I like that one too. Uh, hashtag, hashtag driving a Bedouin tent. <laughs> okay, I actually kind of like that one better. Uh, hashtag American car industries Jared Fogle. <laughs> and then hashtag juice in the bum. It's my juice in a bum. <laughs> it's my juice in a bum. Yeah. All right, I've got hashtag save the pasta, hashtag pray for rush. Um, I think those are the only duplicates. All right, hashtag yogging and puking in a ditch. <laughs> no, no, yogging and puking in ditches. <laughs> uh, hashtag, hashtag sit on your head and rain shit down. <laughs> it's a long one. But really packs a punch. There's a, there's a lot going on in that one. Um, hashtag <laughs> something about that eel. That eel. <laughs> there's just something about okay. that eel. That's, that's actually pretty good. Hashtag Teddy dipping. <laughs> and uh, <coughs> another epitode accident. Hashtag titter top twin. <laughs> I don't remember that one. I Twitter top 10 and it came out <laughs> Twitter top, top twin. twin. Oh, God. We're always going to ride that for the next six months. <laughs> yeah. I need to make the Twitter top twin. <laughs> That'd be a interesting movie. What was. <laughs> <laughs>
It's probably been done. Probably. It's probably on Never Cinemax mind. on Friday nights uh, after, after midnight. After the Doublemint Twins, like, <laughs> contract ran out, they had to do this something else. God Cinemax. <laughs> Titter Top Twins. Three o'clock <laughs> in the morning. <laughs> Rod Ramsalot <laughs> stars in Titter Top Twin. <laughs> Long Rod Von Hugendong stars. All right, sorry. <laughs> Where, what was the one you said? Uh, Juice in the bum. No, there's another one. That was Driving right. the Bedouin tent. No, one breaking that. away space pants. Break no. away space pants. Break away space pants is my vote. I'm kind of fine with that. I like, what was the eel one? Um, something about <laughs> something that. about that. Eel. <laughs> I kind of like that. <laughs> I'm, kind of great. Bo- I'm kind of on board with that one. Let's go with that one. All right. There's just something about that eel. All right, so if you've listened to this episode in its entirety, hit us up on social media. Um, we're on Twitter at Pastors Podcast. At Paulie Name Matt. At Paulie NMD Shore. <laughs> follow me before you follow Faster Than Gravy. Yep. <laughs> um, and then uh, at MJ Basinger. Brad is not on Twitter and he is dead to us. Um, <laughs> Facebook.com slash Pastors Podcast. Instagram and Glorious Pastors. Uh, and gloriouspastors.com as well. Yep. Yeah, so That's long, it. suckers. Neat. Lucas, do you have anything you'd like to plug? <laughs> <laughs> With an eel, preferably. <laughs> That's basically the only thing I have to plug. <laughs> My eel hole. <laughs> Damn it, why did we say eel hole? <laughs> Plug your eel hole. I mean, that's its primary purpose, right? Yeah. For eels. <laughs> Something electric in the room. <laughs> and in my bum. Yeah, that'd really suck if it was an electric eel. I think you would... Uh, yeah, I don't know. Might enhance the experience. Those are pretty huge. Have you seen those things? Even better. <laughs> it takes a special man to take an eel like that. <laughs> you walking with a limp for days. <laughs> oh, shit, right for a week. Wrecked him. Damn, Damn near, near killed, killed him. him.